Welcome, everyone. This is Michael Blue, and you've connected to the Fellowship of Kingdom Professionals, the podcast, where we are cultivating makers and shapers of culture. Prepare for a riveting time in the principles and practices of the King and of His Kingdom. You are about to be charged, challenged, and changed. I know you're ready. Let's go. Let's pray now. Father, we thank you that you have made it possible for us who belong to you to come together according to your word that said that where two or three of us are gathered together in your name, you said there you are in the midst of us. Thank you for being in the midst and thank you for gathering us. Father, we acknowledge that without you, we are nothing. Without you, we can do nothing. But with you, all things are possible to him that believeth. Lord, we do believe and we ask that you help thou our unbelief. Father, those who are on the phones and those who are on the live stream, we ask you that you minister to each for your glory, minister to each for your honor and praise. Those who will hear the replay as well, we ask that you would minister, that you would build, that you would strengthen, that you would encourage, that you would motivate, that you would challenge, that you would correct, that you would discipline, whatever we stand in need of. We ask that you would minister according to your own grace and according to your own will. Teach us, Lord, to be those who dwell in the amen corner. That is, we dwell in the place where we always say amen to your yea, that we always come into agreement and with alignment, in alignment with your will for our lives. I ask, Lord, that you would now let your spirit move in our midst, cleanse us afresh, that there will be no impediment and that there will be a flow of your word and of your spirit, of your principles and of your practicals that will cause us to demonstrate the glory of God and the glory of the kingdom of God. And we thank you for this in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. Praise God. Praise God. All right. Listen, brothers and sisters, um, I want to talk about a few observances. We're going out of the month of April this week, and there have been some very strong and noteworthy uh, observances. It is Astronomy Global Astronomy Month, Guitar Month, Keep America Beautiful Month, Lawn and Garden Month, Card and Letter Writing Month, Humor Month, Welding Month, Records and Information Management Month, Sexual Assault Awareness, and Stress Awareness. Now, those of you that are uh, implied by the various observances, guitar, uh, welding, records, and information, we certainly salute and commend you. Those of astronomers, we have been astronomers among us, we certainly salute you as well. All the professions, those who are uh, horticulturalists are, who are who have groundskeeping businesses and uh, all of that, uh, we we salute you. We salute you. Those of you who are comedians um, uh, professionally, I know that we've got quite a few amateur um, homegrown uh, comedians, but, but those who are actually professionals, we salute you as well. And then those who keep records and information those who are in uh, uh, 
IT and so forth, we certainly honor you. And then those who serve to help those who have been in abusive situations, sexual assault, domestic violence, we certainly support and commend you. And we also admonish if there should be, I pray there's not, but if there should be anyone who is dealing with that kind of situation yourself on the receiving end of it, that you please reach out and get help. Do not uh, remain in that setting. And please don't think that it's the will of God for you to suffer that way. It is not his will. And God help us if there's someone who is perpetuate, uh, perpetrating such uh, behavior. Brother or sister, please get help before you destroy yourself and others. Stress awareness. Um, Dr. Johnson did an excellent job talking to us about how to decompress and how to manage stress. And so we encourage you to go back and review some of those comments. Um, we've seen Library Week. We've seen Organize Your Files, Garden, Medical Labs. And this week is Administrative Assistance Week which brings us down to the days of this week. Today being April 25th, East meets West Day. Those of you who were with us last time, Brother Daniel James was our guest, and he is a Westerner, Western civilization, of which we all are, who is going to be meeting the East formally as he goes on to uh, the Schwarzman Scholars uh, graduate studies there in mainland China. So we, we ask that you would pray for him. Then on Wednesday, it is Administrative Professionals Day, Executive Administrators and Secretaries Day. And we'll talk more about that, but we certainly honor those individuals. Morris Code Day, Tell a Story Day. I wanted to get to that this morning. I didn't get a chance, but perhaps we will before this is over. Uh, tomorrow, excuse me, Thursday, Thursday, International Astronomy Day, Great Poetry Reading Day, Kiss Your Mate Day, Teach Children to Save Day, Take Your Daughter to Work Day. Those are powerful observances. Those are powerful observances. Uh, and certainly the ones with our children involved, Teach the Children to Save and um, Take Our Children to Work, Our Daughter to Work. Then the 29th, Arbor Day, the last Friday of the month, those of us who are concerned about the environment, concerned about uh, climate change, all those kinds of things. We are responsible. We are responsible. I don't mean that you or I ought to blame directly. I, I just mean that we were given dominion over the earth by God. That means he, we, he gave us responsibility with corresponding authority. And so we are responsible for the condition of the earth. God help us. And Arbor Day, of course, um, lifts up the value of trees. And uh, then April 30th, Saturday, is Hairstyle Appreciation Day. Maybe we need to bring Sister Lana back and uh, some of our other estheticians to talk about hairstyle appreciation. International Jazz Day, Saturday, Honesty Day as well. Very good. Now, what we did, what we did um, in the last session that we will not be able to do in this one is that we actually uh, had a little commentary. Well, it's not that we can't do it. It's not that we can't do it. Let me just go further and uh, say that our emphasis 
our emphasis was on the uh, this morning on the observance of administrative executives. So what I'm going to do is that I'm going to skip that and go to uh, tell a story. Then I'm going to come back to our main uh, discussion. Um, one of the reasons why I want to mention tell a story day, and that is, uh, what is that? That's um, the 27th. The reason why I want to mention tell a story day is because there is no story more powerful than your story. Listen to me, professionals. Um, one of the things that we all need to do from time to time is that we need to update and upgrade our resumes, our uh, Vita, our bio, whatever term you want to use for it. Um, I would encourage you to update it and upgrade it, revisit it. Those of you that are in the job market, you might want to find out what format is most appropriate for the kind of employment that you are seeking. Uh, there are various formats of um, the uh, resume and such profile. So I would encourage you to seek and discover what's appropriate in the field where you are, highlighting the things that are most important and most pertinent to the position that you're seeking. But I would also encourage you, so that's the technical, your story, that's the technical uh, side of your story. But even more so, um, there are episodes that many of us have gone through and that we walk through and walk in that uh, are of tremendous value, tremendous value. Many of them are of tremendous value because they are exemplary. In other words, we we hear the story, your story, and it gives us a pattern. It gives us an example. Okay, this is what I need to do. Then there are other things that are stories of trials, or stories of sufferings, stories of hardships that we came through. Those hardships are not examples in that we're not asking God and we're not hoping for those hardships. And maybe they're self-incurred, self-inflicted hardship. But we definitely don't want to do that. So they're not exemplary in that sense. But they are redemptive because despite what it was that you went through, God has taken that and used it to help shape you into the individual that you now are. And so even if it's an, not an example of what to do, it may very well be an example of what not to do. Or it may be an example, again, of enduring affliction the right way or having been in an affliction and coming out of that with the victory, having survived that which was uh, allowed to take others out. Your story is one of the most compelling tools that you have. Your story is one of the most compelling resources that you have. As a matter of fact, particularly those who are motivational speakers and so forth, they tend to build, not everything, but they tend to build much of their platform and much of their message around their story. Many times 
your story becomes a platform for your message. If it's not the message, it becomes the redemptive aspects of it can become a platform uh, and exemplary uh, aspects of it can become a platform for your message. Some people make the mistake of thinking that their story is the message. But uh, frankly, the gospel is the message. The good news of Jesus Christ is the message. And so sometimes when you think that your story is the message, you'll be tempted to glamorize it. You'll, you'll, you'll tend to become obsessed with it. No, my story is not the message. My story contains the message or messages, but it is the word of God that is the message. And he will use my story to promote and to propagate his message. The story, for example, the conversion story and the entire story of the apostle Paul. Paul's story becomes a platform for Paul's message, which is God's message. And notice that there are parts of his message or his story rather that are exemplary. He heard the voice of Jesus. He said, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. All of that is exemplary. He preached fearlessly. He preached relentlessly. He preached passionately. He used every possible means and medium to declare the word of God. All of that is exemplary. However, when you go back prior, when you go back to Paul's BC, Paul's before Christ encounter, we see not that which is exemplary, unless you mean an example of what not to do, but you do see that which is redeemable, redemptive. You see the redemptive work of God. You see how God took a man who was in effect a murderer, a man who in effect and directly was a persecutor of the Lord Jesus. And the Bible says that he did those things, but he said in 1 Timothy chapter 1, he said he did it ignorantly. He did it ignorantly in unbelief. All right. And so your story can become a platform for his message. Um, I shared a lesson some years ago, and I really want to get back to it one day. And the message, the lesson and the message is entitled A Place to Stand. A Place to Stand. It is, um, <clears throat> it is based upon Archimedes' famous quotation um, that uh, I could move the earth if I had a place to stand and a lever or lever, okay? Well, God gives you as your story. He gives your story as leverage. Your story becomes a leveraging point. What do you mean? People are, what does a, what does a lever do? It moves things. God will use your story to move somebody's heart, to touch somebody's heart. That's one of the reasons why we've been talking about the power of the testimony. We've been talking about the power of the testimony. All right. 
And uh, we uh, encourage you not to make light of your story because your story is just what somebody else needs to know that uh, God really is real. God really is uh, accessible to them. God really will intervene on their behalf. You understand? So don't make light of your story. Did you hear me? Kingdom professionals, your story, your resume, your profile, your vita, but also your history. Your history. Okay? So don't make light of your story. Some things in our stories we may be ashamed of. And frankly, there's some aspects of our stories that are not to be shared publicly. But it's still your story. And you might not be able to go into detail sharing everything that happened every time. Nobody, nobody, unless the Lord really somehow chooses to do that, uh, a call for that, there are aspects of people's lives that nobody should uh, should be made privy to, unless, of course, it's someone in your intimate circle. But as far as publicizing it and so forth, don't don't allow don't allow uh, the intimate aspects of who you are to be uh, trampled upon. Uh, but 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 to each his own. I won't bother you. But, you know that. But, but to each his own. But but I will say this: there is value in your story. There is power in your story. There is redemptive value in your story. And as I said, God can use your story as leverage to move people toward him and to move them away from destructive and self-destructive behaviors and tendencies and relationships and decisions. So I've taken time. I've taken time, but I want to make sure you get it. Every one of you under the sound of my voice, you have a story. And you are making a story. You are living through a story. And there's some things that you can't tell now that you will be able to tell later. There's some things that you're still in the process. It hasn't come through yet. It hasn't fully developed yet. Don't be, don't be quick. Don't be too quick to tell prematurely the thing that you need to sit on. Professionals know how to sit on certain developments. Professionals know how to keep their mouths closed about certain things that are in the making and in the working. You don't want to bring forth an embryonic story. You don't want to bring forth an underdeveloped, undeveloped story. Wait until the master says, now it's time. Now it's well done. That makes sense. So some of you are working on something. That's back to <clears throat> that's back to being, becoming, doing. <clears throat> Excuse me. Some of you have some doing going on, but you're not sharing it with anyone. Don't. It's all right. It's all right. You are not obligated to tell everything that's happening inside you or that's happening in your home or that's happening in your marriage or you understand uh, you'll have time to tell it you'll have opportunity to tell it amen is the right answer
So, so I wanted to, to give that piece. Now, let's move further. That's the story. That's the power of your story. The power of your story. Don't compare your story with anybody else. You're not competing with anybody else. Don't compare and don't decide, oh man, I don't have a dramatic testimony. I never shall forget in testimony service, you'd have this person stand up and talk about all kinds of dramatic things that he or she has seen or done or experienced. And then somebody else gets up and says, well, you know, I just thank the Lord that uh, he saved me or he kept me and so forth. And somebody would say, ah, oh, that's what the person himself would be thinking. Oh, I shouldn't have even said anything. This person, he just got up and, 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 and the congregation just flipped. But you see, here's what you've got to understand. The congregation flipped when he gave his testimony. The congregation said, ho hum, okay, when you gave yours, right? And that made you feel as if, you, you already felt that way to, st to start with, but that made you feel as if, um, man, I, I should have kept, my, there I go again, kept my mouth closed. But see, here's what you must understand. That congregation that said, oh, okay, that congregation was not your audience. May I say it again? That congregation was not your audience. That is, they are not necessarily the people to whom God has sent you with your story. So don't struggle with that. If what you give out doesn't thrill, doesn't seem to fill or chill certain people, don't worry about it. They're your congregation now. We, we belong together. We love one another. That, that's my congregation, our congregation. But that's not necessarily my audience. Okay, Because whenever God gives you a story, whenever God gives you a word, whenever God gives you a concept, whenever God gives you a construct or whatever it might be, he has already prepared an audience receptive unto it. Okay, so don't struggle. Don't struggle. Don't get upset with the fellow who got shot and everybody shouted when he gave his testimony. You just thank God that you didn't have to be shot. <laughs> no disrespect to anybody on the stream or who's listening to replay who got shot. But you understand when they tell that kind of testimony, you know, uh, and I was in a, I was, I was out for three days. They didn't know whether I was going to live or die. Okay, that's that's traumatic, and people get all excited about that kind of thing. And you've never been out except when you went to sleep, right? Oh yeah, you did get hit by a softball one time, <laughs> and you were out for a couple seconds. But other than that, you don't have that kind of testimony. And 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 so when you tell your little testimony, little testimony, you know, people just yeah. Mm -hmm. Don't struggle. That congregation, though it's our congregation, that's not your audience. By the time God puts you in front of who it is that needs that, it won't be ho-hum. It won't be yawning. Okay? <laughs> all right, you got it? That's all right, Brother Campbell. I, I understand. Uh, I'm laughed at from time to time. Everybody get it? Very good. Now, let's move to the next. There's Elder, Elder Rocker. So he, actually, he was actually hit with a softball. Were you out for a little while, Elder Rocker? <laughs> 
So, so uh, that's a part of your testimony. That's a part of your story. <laughs> All right, let's go further. I'll say one more time. When I say that's not your audience, I don't, Elder Rocker, come on now. I don't mean leave your congregation. That's not what I'm talking about at all. I'm simply saying that your role in that setting is not the same role as God will give you with a certain audience. You know, these uh, these softball confessions are about to mess up our session. <laughs> oh, come on, Sister McElveen. <laughs> you, you all are getting ready to tear us up with, with uh, not being able to get get serious about this next phase but 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 that's funny both of those elder rocker and now sister McElveen, both of them uh have a softball testimony all right i wanted to go back to the administrative assistance and um and lift that up first it's uh, Wednesday, administrative professionals, executive administrators, secretary's day. That's the first thing. Uh, and, and we salute all of you who serve and particularly those who've helped me um, down through the years. My goodness, um, I, I thank God for every person who's been a help. Now listen to this. Uh, I'm not going to I'm not going to read these softball comments aloud, but those of you who are on the stream, you look at these. They are hilarious. They are absolutely hilarious. <laughs> All right. So um uh one thing that we have to um remember is that the overarching theme of this session and of this series is God of the macrocosm. Psalm 34 and verse three says, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. To magnify does not make the thing magnified bigger, to magnify makes the view of the thing bigger and clearer. You see it? It makes the thing magnified bigger in view and clearer. It makes the view bigger and the view clearer. Um, and so one of the things that we desire to do is that we desire to help people realize just how big our God is the issue at hand has been that there are people in the faith of Christ, as well as those on the outside looking on, who have decided that they will not embrace the faith, they will not embrace the gospel, or those who have been in the faith that they're going to depart from it, because somehow it's not broad enough, it's not big enough, it's not sophisticated enough, it's not complicated enough to encompass all of who they are now that they've risen to certain levels of knowledge and understanding and apprehension and comprehension they no longer fit into the faith but my dear brothers and sisters i remind you 
that the Lord Jesus Christ, though he taught us to walk the narrow way, never mandated that we would walk the narrow way with a narrow mind. And whenever there's someone who has a narrow-minded view of the faith of God in Jesus Christ, it is either because of ignorance or because of ignorance in the sense of they just genuinely don't know or somewhat semi-ignorance because they have been uh, given a partial knowledge, an aberration perhaps, or a distortion, a portion. That's what I said this morning. They've been fed a portion or a distortion. Okay? Either they're totally ignorant to the things of God or they're being dishonest. Either they're, you know, dishonest, that's always a factor, a possibility. Or they're totally ignorant, which means don't, uh, not knowing. Ignorant just means I don't know concerning the things of God. Or they're in a place of um, partial knowledge where they have a portion or a distortion of who uh, Jesus is. But the principles of the kingdom of God and the principles of the gospel of Jesus Christ are all encompassing. There is nowhere you can go that's any more broad than the kingdom of God. There's nothing that you, for example, I, I didn't mention this one, but there's one here, uh, dance, something about International Dance Day, or where was that? I missed that one this time. But anyway, there's an observance, I think it's this week, that, um, yes, the, uh, Friday, International Dance Day. And we understand that dance has had a negative connotation in many uh, settings. And, and unfortunately, not, not, not un, undeserved or unjustified um, negative connotation or denotation. Well, connotation. But, but just because someone has misused or misappropriated a thing, it does not make that thing wrong. It makes the use of the ab use of that thing wrong. See, remember, if someone can dance, Satan doesn't have the ability to give them dance, uh, the ability to give them prowess or skill to dance. Satan didn't give them a healthy body. Satan didn't give them equilibrium. Satan did not give them rhythm. Satan did not give them balance. Satan did not give them grace. He didn't have that to give. James 1.17 said, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the father of lights. Satan has no gifts and talents to give anyone. Not life-giving, not life-enhancing gifts or talents. But Jesus said he's a thief. He is able to take what God gave for good, what God gave for perfection, and to twist that thing. Remember the Bible says in the book of uh, Ezekiel chapter 28, talking about Lucifer, he said, you were perfect in the day in which you were created until iniquity was found in you. What is iniquity? It's twisting. It's twisting. It's distortion. The word iniquity in the scripture, in the Old Testament particularly, means, among other things, 
are twisting. It comes from a root that means twisting. And, and Satan can take a good gift and twist them or twist it. He takes the good gifts, plural, and twists them. And so people attribute these gifts to Satan. I was listening to a fellow last night. I know he meant no harm. Matter of fact, he meant blessing and benefit. But he was talking about uh, October 31st. October 31st and November 1st. October 31st being All Hallows Eve or Halloween. And then November 1st, he was referring to it as Day of the Dead. And he was and, and, and he was talking about the wicked things that go on and how we need to be warned about what really goes on behind some of the seemingly innocent observances. He's a he's a uh, a former Satanist, and so he knows these things. But listen, he made a statement with which I uh, biblically disagree. He referred to uh, October 31st as Satan's day. Listen to me. Satan has no day. Satan owns no day. David said, my times are in God's hand. In the book of Genesis chapter one, it was God who put the sun and the moon relative to the earth and said they shall be for seasons and for years. It was God who divided time into days and weeks and months and years. Satan has no day. Now, there's a day and there are days that he has stolen to use for his own nefarious intent. But Satan owns no days now because Satan owns nothing. He doesn't even own himself. And so make sure that you don't give away what belongs to God. And that's what we in the in the church, that's that's the reason why I'm attempting to teach this macrocosmic view of God. Because what we did as the church is that we gave everything away to the devil. Now, let me go back to the example of dance. Dancing seductively, dancing provocatively, dancing and exhibiting oneself to create a sensual reaction in the lives of others, dancing in such a way as to provoke adultery, to a uh, pro provoke fornication or some other sort of behavior to provoke someone giving up hard-earned money that they can't afford to release. Clearly, that's not of God. Dancing in such a manner that it objectifies the male or the female, in most cases, unfortunately, in our culture, has been the female, so that rather than seeing her as a whole being, she's viewed as a collection of voluptuous parts. All of that is of the devil. But that does not mean that dance in and of itself is Satan's. No, he's a thief. He's a thief. Uh, sometimes a robber, but always a thief. You follow me? And so my dear brothers and sisters, what we did in our quest for purity, which is what we should, we should have a quest for purity, but in our quest for purity, we gave away everything. We gave away, I, I don't know about your background, 
but in many sectors of the body of Christ, the body gave away sports. You all were talking about baseball and softball. If you were in some of the kind of church that I know about and came through, you, you wouldn't have had a chance to be hit by softball or baseball because um, that was a sin. And if you did get hit by the baseball or the softball, that was probably because the judgment of God was coming on you for being out there sinning. There was to be no baseball, no basketball, no football, no soccer ball, no volleyball, none of that. Okay? There were to be none of those kinds of uh, uh, activities. None of that. Uh, those uh, extracurricular, as it's called in the in the school context, no, not at all. I see that, Bishop. I see that. And so there, there is to be discernment. There is to be discretion. See, and here's the challenge. Here's the challenge. When one teaches what it is that I'm attempting to teach about God being macrocosmic rather than microcosmic, that, that leads us that leads us to this conclusion. If athleticism is actually in God, if movie making is in God. If economic empowerment is in God, if wealth acquisition is in God, if high levels of educational attainment are in God, if political office is in God or in the kingdom of God, then, then how do you manage that when you realize that there is so much perversion, there is so much wickedness, there is so much evil in those sectors. Well, one thing is certain, we can't deny the wickedness that exists there. But the reason why the wickedness exists there is because Satan knows the power of those aspects of human life because they shape culture and people's lifestyles, people's uh, values are shaped by culture. Are you listening? And so what that says to us, and please listen to me carefully, what that says to us is that it is more difficult to lead a free people than it is to lead abound people. See, all you got to do is tell them, don't do nothing, because if you do it, you're going to hell. All right? That's abound people. Don't do nothing. Don't even breathe hard, because if you do so, you're going to hell. All right? So you got them all under your control, and it's a little easier to lead them. It's just that they won't become but so much because you've got them all on lockdown. And they will always need you to make their decisions for them. 
it is easier to lead a bound people than it is to lead a free people. Because a free people will have to be taught principles. They will have to be taught how those principles translate into practices and practicals. They will have to be taught discernment and then they will have to be left to God. Do you hear me? They will have to be taught principles and how those principles can be applied as practices. And they will have to be taught discernment. But they will have to learn themselves to be led by God if they're going to become and if they're going to be able to live a successful godly life without being under your direct control. The pastor, the spiritual leader, whatever term that you want to use for him or her, has a decision to make that's not always easy. Because sometimes it will be easier to just tell people, no, no, just don't do nothing. You understand? As many of our patriarchs did. What's harder is to say, you know what? I'm not going to make that decision for you, but I'm going to teach you the principles of the kingdom of God. Now, don't get me wrong. If the Bible forbids it, we forbid it. But there's so many things that the Bible does not forbid, but the scripture demands that there are certain principles that are to be applied in that thing. And then if there's not an explicit principle stated, then you have to have the discernment based upon the other principles that you do have. That makes for a more complicated level of thinking, but it also makes for, if that person is successful, a more mature believer, one who will be able to actually lead and empower others. I don't know how that sounds to you this afternoon, but, but that's absolutely so. It's absolutely so. So am I saying that there's no standard no, I'm not talking about there's no standard. The devil is a liar. The Bible tells us flee fornication, for example. The Bible says let him that stole steal no more. The Bible says uh, that we are not to let any corrupt communication proceed out of our mouth. There are certain things that are clear, and they are clearly stated. But there are other things that are going to vary from circumstance to circumstance. And in those instances, we will need the principles of God, how those principles are walked out in practices, and more than anything, we will need discernment because in the moment, we will need the leading of God. We will need the conviction of God to say, yes, I am to do this, or no, this just does not agree with my spirit. And some people will do the same thing that you're forbidden to do. And some things you will do that others are forbidden to do, not because they're a matter of sin or salvation, but simply because God knows how you're made and he knows how that other person is made. And the way that that other person is made, they can handle this thing. If you take it, it'll, if, if, if you get involved in it, it's going to distract you from your purpose. God knows how he made us. God knows how he wired us. My, my, my. For example, there's some people who fast 
three times a week, others who fast two times a week. And God lead both of them to have that regimen. Well, who's right? They're both right. If they're obeying God, they're both right. Then there may be some who fast five days a week, but they fast shorter periods of time than those who fast those two or three days. Which one is right? If God is the one who led them, they're both right. I read concerning Brother Smith Wigglesworth. Um, uh, of course, um, I, 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 uh, I'm told that he said, I'm not sure, but I'm told that he said this. It is said that he never prayed longer than 30 minutes at a time. Said he never prayed longer than 30 minutes. At a time. Now, I don't know. I wasn't there. I'm just telling you what they said about it. That it didn't pray longer than 30 minutes at a time. But that's not all of it. He never went for 30 minutes without praying. He never went longer than 30 minutes at a time without praying. Did you hear me? So he didn't have a prayer session of his that lasted longer than 30 minutes from beginning to end. But he never went a period of time longer than 30 minutes where he was not doing some praying in the meanwhile, which means he prayed constantly. He prayed constantly. He prayed constantly. See, somebody here, part of that, oh, Smith Wigglesworth, he was a man of great faith. And he didn't pray but 30 minutes a time. Y'all are praying all these hours and stuff. I don't see that. Was it you didn't read the whole quote? You didn't read the whole comment. He didn't pray for longer than 30 minutes at a time, but he did not let time go by any longer than 30 minutes without him breaking down and praying. That means that the man was constantly praying constantly praying, even praying out loud, even praying in public. So if you're going to adopt it, you adopt it all the way. My point simply is, God may not have told you to pray longer, uh, 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 only 30 minutes. Jesus said to Peter, could thou not watch with me one hour? So who's right, Wigglesworth or Jesus? It's Jesus in both cases. Whatever the Holy Ghost leads that person to do, that's what that person is to do. The point that I'm making, though, is that the macrocosmic God, the macrocosmic God is not the God of rules and rituals longhand. He's going to give you the basic fundamentals and after that, he's going to say, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God, stay in the Word, stay in the Spirit. And so sometimes when people come with questions, it's clear that there are people who either do not know the Word well, do not know the Spirit well, or lack discernment. Because there's some questions, you can, you can spot that thing coming from a mile away. Brother Blue. Is it all right for a saint of God to go to the club? Well, see, I know to start with that if you ask me that question honestly, if you ask me honestly, you don't know the word very well, you don't know the Holy Ghost very well, and you don't have discernment. Okay? Because you wouldn't be coming to me asking me that question because you already have a picture in your mind of what you mean when you say a club, correct? All right. Well, now, if you know the Bible, Think about this. The Bible says, don't allow your good to be evil spoken of. How are you going to be spoken of? How will you, 
particularly in an area like ours, how will you be spoken of if, if, if I'm found sitting up at the bar at the club, club hours? What are people going to do at Reverend Blue sitting around in the club? He said, don't, don't let my good be evil spoken of. He talks about protecting your reputation. Dead flies in the ointment of the apothecary send forth a stinking savor the same way. So is a little folly with him that has a reputation for honor. You got a reputation for being a man of God, a reputation being a woman of God, being a clean living individual. You just ruined that by showing up in the wrong place at the wrong time. Now, the Bible didn't say, thou shalt not go to the bar. No, it didn't. But there's the principle of not allowing your good to be evil spoken of. The Bible says, provide all things open and honest in the sight of all men. In other words, there's something about giving people clarity about how you live. Don't, don't confuse them. Don't confuse. Say, well, he was down in the red light district witnessing to the prostitutes at night. Was he? He was in the red light district witnessing to the prostitutes at night. Okay, fine. Who was with him? Where were they? You understand? Because you're setting yourself up to have your good evil spoken of. You could, he could very well be witnessing, but he lacks wisdom. He lacks discernment. Was his wife with him? He ain't married. Was his little sister with him? You understand what I'm saying? But in terms of making rules that say, thou shalt not go to Disney World, or thou shalt not go to the ball game, or thou shalt not go to the stadium. The God of the macrocosm is the one who gave them the wisdom to develop uh, a theme park, or to develop a stadium, or an auditorium. He's the one who gave them the wisdom. How have they applied that wisdom and how will it affect you, number one? And then number one, how will it cause you to appear, number two? All of those are principles. I, I, I know that that can seem a little, again, a little vague. It's, it's not vague so much as it is mature levels in which you will have to need discernment in order to navigate mature levels of living, mature decision-making in which you will need discernment. So we used the dance illustration and I wanted to get back to this administration. Man, 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 man. Maybe we'll get back to it um, next time. But let me just uh, go back to the dance illustration. So if someone says, <clears throat> so are you saying that there is a place in the kingdom of God for the choreographed kind of dance in which you know, there's perhaps a drama that has uh, dance in it that's conveying a certain message, communicating a certain emotion. You're saying that there's a place for that in the kingdom of God. Absolutely. Absolutely. Are you saying, though, that any of it is acceptable? Absolutely not. Because, again, the motive behind it, the, the emotions and the thoughts and attitudes that, that are evoked, do those things honor God or do those things dishonor God? You see, the arts are one of the most sensitive aspects of our culture. The arts are some of the most transcendent and ubiquitous aspects of our culture. The arts are some of the most soul penetrating and soul permeating 
uh, aspects of our culture. And the arts, therefore, have to be navigated very sensitively. Music, for example, which, which is, in a sense, the mother of the arts, the chief art, music. Music has such properties that music can invade someone's soul without his or her permission. Isn't that true? Music will get in you and not only get in you, but music has such a transportive power that it can take you to a place in your past. It can take you to a place in your emotions. It can take you to a place in your worship. It can take you a place in your faith. Music has that kind of power. Therefore, therefore, it must be managed and it must be engaged with great discernment. Every song, I've said this many times, that every musical selection has three elements. You know, the, the typical song, the typical song has three elements. I refer to uh, it as the melody, the message, and the motive. When I say the melody, it's an all-encompassing term, meaning the rhythms, uh, the tempo, uh, the tune, the instrumentation, all of that, the melody. That's the first piece. Then the second, the message, lyrics. Like I said, a typical song, all right? Uh, the, 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 the statements are the implications, the message. And then thirdly, the motive. What spirit is it? What spirit is it that drives it? What spirit motivated its creation? Uh, what spirit is invoked and evoked? by that particular song. You, These are tools of discernment that I'm giving you. What is the melody? And what does the melody do to you? What is the message? And what does the message instruct you uh, regarding? And then what is the motive? How are you moved by it? Are you moved to act violently? Are you moved to act romantically? Are you moved to act in faith? Are you moved to act in adoration or in, in, in uh uh, in praise? Are you moved to reflection? Are you moved to tears and depression? The arts have the power. You understand? The arts have the power to, to do things in the soul that very few things have. And that's one of the reasons why, in a sense, entertainment might be, be along with faith, might be the chief shapers of culture, uh, chief uh, cultural spheres, one might say. All right. Again, the melody, that's the musical composition. That's the way I'm using the term. I know melody means different things, but the musical composition, the message, the lyrical composition, explicit and implicit, and then the motive, what spirit, what spirit, entity, Holy Spirit, demon, human spirit, and what spirit, attitude, intent, purpose. That's what we need. Everybody see it? Man, our time is gone. Uh, oh my. Are you tracking with me? Is, is this making sense? I'm talking about the, the macrocosm of which God is God. That he doesn't, he doesn't call us to narrowness. No, but he does call us to navigation of the broadness not narrowness but navigation of the broadness he said i've called you to the world i want you to be in it i just don't want you to be of it i've given you the entire garden 
just know how to navigate past that one that is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Can you see it? All right. All right. God bless you. We're closing. Uh, I ask that you would uh, pray one for another. Pray for FKP. Remember that um, we have a night session coming up on May 16th. Um, May 16th, we have a night session coming up. It's a Monday, an evening session, not night, late, you know, but an evening session in which we'll be talking about the guilds. We'll be talking about the G-U-I-L-D-S. That is the subunits based on um, your profession. In other words, the people that are estheticians and cosmetologists, they're going to get together and the healthcare folk are going to get together and educators will get together. We'll have several breakout rooms. We're going to do it by way of Zoom as I understand it right now. It's going to be powerful, okay? So plan to join us on May 16th for FKP Evening Edition. Is that good? All right. Until we meet again, this is Michael Blue of the Fellowship of Kingdom Professionals encouraging you to go forth today and lead. Make the name of Jesus Christ glorious. Make the career of Satan brief and miserable. And let me say this as a summation of the summation. If you need a basic grid and a basic lens for determining what you ought to do or what you ought not to do, ask yourself this question. Does it bring pleasure to Christ's heart? Does it bring fame to his name? In other words, does it bring glory to God? For we are committed to bring pleasure to Christ's heart and to bring fame to his name. Until we meet again, may the peace of God go with thank you for listening to the fellowship of kingdom professionals fkp the podcast if you'd like more engagement click the link in the show notes to join like-minded professionals in the fkp facebook group follow us at bishop ma blue on all platforms also join the fkp weekly conversation live every monday at 11:30 a.m eastern on facebook live and on youtube finally be sure to rate and review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. May God bless you until we meet again.